Osiris. Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Loyalty, described as, do you care? And I care, and that's why I'm on this show. Comes a time, here we go. <laughs> I'm a sucker for O'Teal, man. It's all that same feeling that I have, that what he filled a void that I didn't even know existed. It feels so good to, as Ben said, to try to do something about an issue as opposed to complaining. If you can't help, don't hurt. If we could just all get out there and throw cream pops at each other, maybe things would, instead of bullets and, and <laughs> angry words, it would be better. When you stop laughing, you stop living. There's a worldwide surge in interest in mushrooms. It was deep, man. It's not that TM makes your mind quiet down there. It already is. We're just stuck up here. We've lost access. I'm jumping Jack Flash. Came out by the stones. So I thought, all right, perfect, man. I'm gonna drive, and I started driving through the neighborhood, and I got, I got a text from Mick Jagger. <laughs> People saying that you know what we do is non-essential. Well, playing those few gigs that yeah. you saw me at felt pretty essential to me. It wasn't like they were clapping from here. Is they were clapping from here. My view of things is that death, death is the last and best reward for a life well lived. Like you gotta, it's the strangest of places if you look at it right, you know? If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That's my pal O'Teal. And that's my pal Mike, whichever side he happens to be on. <laughs> we had a great one today. Uh, we had uh, Ted Alexandro, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite comedians. Uh, honored to know him. Uh, happy to have him on. Uh, he joined us, and I knew right away. There were so many things I was like excited to for you guys to talk about, and us to all talk about, and. Yeah, we dove right in. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, we, we sure did. <laughs> we got right to it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it was a super fast hour, which I love. You know, I can see the the little clock here on the side of my computer. I was like, whoa, that much time has passed yeah. already? It just it's super great. I can't wait to see the special the, or the, the teacher's lounge. I guess it was a series he said he did. Yeah, he YouTube. did a series. He's done, he's done a bunch of incredible uh, specials and he did a series called teacher's lounge where he, uh, he'll, he explains it here in the episode, but, um, yeah, you can find all of it. Uh, and, and he did this play recently, which is <laughs> he's Ted's the thing that, the thing that I love about Ted is that he's, um, 
he's game for cool shit. You know, like I, I had a show a while back, um, with a four piece jazz band that I hosted called code name. And we did it at this place called the Creek in the cave, which was like this awesome room that the owner kind of like set it up for us to just work stuff out. There were specials filmed. There was like, it, it, it was like a Mecca for comedy of all levels, you know? someone doing their first open mic to someone recording us like popping in and working out their hour and Colin Quinn working out his stuff. It, it just a, br- a brilliant place. And, um, Rebecca was always so open to having us do cool ideas and cool shows. And myself and a four piece jazz band did this show called code name and they were huge comedy fans. And it wasn't like just them hanging in the background playing, like jamming, they played their songs and I would invite comics to come up and the band would bring the volume from like a nine to like a three when the comic would get up and do their set, you know, and they they would play back and forth with each other. And it was so much fun. And I had Ted on and I remember he like found out the name of one of their songs and he just started to riff on the name of the song and almost kind of just like poetry, like, like improv poetry created a set that had to do with the name of the song. And it was just like, that's the shit he puts his heart and soul into whatever he does. And it's, and it's evident. And I just, it's, it's so great to watch him. I've learned a lot from him. He's got a beautiful mind for sure. This is one of my favorite podcasts. It went quick. Yeah, it really did. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And you could check out all of Ted's stuff at tedalexandra.com. Um, thank you, Ted, for joining us. Um, we are on Osiris Network, home to so many great podcasts. You can go to OsirisPod.com. And if you're liking what you're hearing, you could join us at Patreon.com forward slash comes the time pod for a bonus episode each week. So thank you guys very much for joining. And we will see you in the future. You got, you had a little bit of a, a bout of something too, huh? Coming off the road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our tour manager had it and then I, I got it from him. So, uh, yeah, it was like a week and then my wife and then our two kids. So yeah, it was, it was the circle of hell for a bit, but we're good now. <laughs> got sick right when I came home, did a whole summer tour, perfect score and never got COVID. Yeah. We had 22 people on our tour get it. I mean, it's a hundred people crew. I guess I can say that now. It was a big secret then, but um, (laughs) I came home. My kids got me sick, not COVID, but it's just been a week of, you know, like coughing and spitting. I'm learning Yiddish, as Billy Crystal would say. (laughs) (laughs) You got a good schwitz going? (laughs) Massive. (laughs) Oh, yeah. How's everything going, Teddy? Doing good? It's great to see you. It's great to see you too, buddy. Yeah, things are good, man. Um, It was uh, a month off from touring with Jim Gaffigan, who, as you know, I I opened for for the last, I guess, six years or so. Um, So he's been doing a movie. So during that time, I did a play. Uh, A couple of comedians wrote a play and reached out to me to play a, uh, a slave owner named Racist. (laughs) <laughs> and 
I said, I don't know why you're calling me, but uh, <laughs> I'll read the script. It was, it's so funny. You know, it, the script, it's called Race the Movie, the Play. Uh, so it's kind of a, a satirical mashup of all of the Hollywood race bait movies like uh, Green Book and Driving Miss Daisy and Hidden Figures. And Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. So it's kind of taking the piss out of all these kind of, you know, like the precious over the top uh, white savior films. In fact, the lead <laughs> character's name is, is Wyatt Savior. Uh, so, so in the month of June, I was doing that play uh, at the New York Theater Festival. Uh, wow. And it was it was so fun to uh, to collaborate. Um, oh, Teal, you, you, you know, the the feeling of that. But as comedians, it, it's a little more rare for us. Yeah. Uh, it had been a while since I acted, especially stage acting. So it was great, man. It was great to, to be part of something. And I had a meaty role, you know, uh, like, uh, I was the villain essentially. Um, so <laughs> as you might expect, uh, racist. yeah, racist and my, and my so wife o ovarian. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Did yeah. You so it, it wound up winning best script in the New York theater festival nice. and our lead our lead actor won best actor. So yeah, it's, it, you know, uh, three sold out shows. So they're trying to parlay that into, um, like an off Broadway run. And, you know, oh, these, these great. are like young tenacious guys. So, uh, I'm hoping that they can, you know, I I've left the tenacious years behind, but they're, uh, they're knocking on every door, which is great. That's fantastic. Ted. Congratulations. Did you act on state? Did you do stage acting prior? Like, was that a part of your coming up? That was kind of my entree to just getting into a life in the arts, you know, like in my teenage years, there was a community center, uh, at our church that had, um, like, you know, the, the usual musicals that you would expect Greece, West side story, all these types of, uh, you know, damn Yankees. Uh, but I was really taken by it as like, you know, 12, 13 year old. 
And I was like, how do I, how do I get to be part? You know, it was like my neighbor, like who was the lead. <laughs> and I was like, how do you get to do that? <laughs> it's like, you just show up basically. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I started showing up and the first couple of years I was in the stage crew and then I, you know, started auditioning and getting into the cast, you know? So that really was, I, I did 10 years between say like age 13 and you know, probably 25 actually, uh, where I was doing all sorts of primarily musicals, a few, a few comedies and straight plays in there as well. But, uh, musicals were the easiest to kind of track down and get involved with. It's funny. Cause I, I didn't really think about the fact that comedians don't get to play together, but I, I think back to all these movies where all of my favorite comedians did a movie together and I'm like, wow, that's why they did that. So they could all, yeah. Like work together at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I and think sometimes fact, it's, go ahead. Sometimes it's about the hang, right? Just like uh, doing a project together and, and having that time together, you know, which is so rare. And it's, you also getting to do this thing about race. Cause I had a thing at the be very beginning of the pandemic, a friend of mine that's really into theater. I said, man, I want to do blazing saddles on live and I want to be, the deputy spade, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. We, for a minute there, we were really like talking about doing it. And I kind of pulled back from it. And, uh, I still wonder if it's undoable nowadays, but this project that you just talked about kind of gives me a little bit of hope again. I'm like, Hmm, cause mm -hmm. it's, it's also a dangerous thing to do nowadays, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, I think the audience was, uh, really like appreciative of like a treatment of the topics. Um, because it is, I mean, blazing saddles was a definite reference point for the writers. Um, yeah. and, and the opening voiceover in the beginning of the play would say, uh, you know, this, this play is, is written by a white guy. Ooh. And <laughs> a black guy. Yay. <laughs> well, half. Oh, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, no, nothing was like off limits and they, they kind of went right at every, uh, potential kind of landmine and, Honestly, I really think the audiences appreciated it because the cast members, you know, we had a text chain and people would say like, oh, you know, my wife uh, really loved it. And we talked about it over dinner or my whole family was there and like we couldn't stop talking about it. So even though it is a silly comedy and over the top, um, it, it has a heart to it as well. And yeah, I, you know, I, I was appreciative to be part of something where. I think that, you know, there is so much talk about race and so much of it is dire, obviously. Um, so that like people need that release and that, that, uh, permission. And I think also sitting in an audience that is mixed, uh, you know, cause we know this very well with comedy, Mike, like people almost like look peripherally for per permission. <laughs> Can I laugh? Can I laugh yeah. at this? Yeah. So the, the fact that it was like a mixed audience and it was getting big laughs, I think it uh, it was cathartic uh, for some people. That's I think so maybe cool. January 6th just ripped the Band-Aid off. Right. And now right. we can be like, okay, can let's, we got to talk about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's yeah. joke about it also. 
Right. But in joking about it, like, you know, Blazing Saddles is <laughs> it goes hard. Of course. Like so it does, hard yeah. you can't even do it nowadays. Yeah. So yeah. it's cool because yeah. it does it makes conversations. If only because you're like, man, you got it. That was funny. Like <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it, was, it was it was cool to be part of and uh it, it was interesting to see uh, as a participant the the effect that it had on crowds and the different nights of it too as you guys well know you're doing the same material each night but how one thing might hit one night or or depending on the makeup of the crowd even uh it might hit differently um but to see the way these like i said these two young guys these two young comedians probably like about 30 or so uh, the, the way that they wrote this, uh, you know, with the intention of, of doing a comedy and slapstick and satire and over the top. Uh, but also it does have those moments, uh, you know, which I think are important of heart and, um, kind of bringing people together. So it was cool to see it hit the target. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I hope we have the opportunity, That's man. That's so it, cool like, that they're, yeah, they're hitting the streets trying to get it to be an off-Broadway thing. And, and I have to imagine coming out of, you know, you mentioned something earlier that I think is super important. I think, Otil, we may have even talked about this, about how, you know, you go on the road, comics look at musicians and we're envious because you get to travel with your with your buddies. And we think it's like, God, here we are alone in a hotel again for four or five days. And, but then there's that whole thing of like, well, yeah, we're traveling with these guys, but there are fights and infighting and whatever, you know? So it is, it's, it had to be nice coming out of the, you know, so much solitary that we've had Ted to like be able to work with people and, and interact and integrate. And, and that's a good way to kind of ease back into performing out, you know, that was yes. a hard thing coming out of this. Yeah. And as comedians too, I think, you know, you're so used to being the center of attention and kind of, you know, when you're headlining shows, yeah. especially that, you know, uh, they're there to see you and you're the, you know, like whatever, like people are asking, how are you coming backstage? Do you need this? Do you need that? So it, it was nice to just be part of the ensemble and like some of the other actors didn't even like know that I was a comedian or whatever. And, you know, I mean, not that it's like, don't you know who I am, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's nice when people like are just dealing with you as like, Oh, nice to meet you. You know what I mean? And, right. and you're building relationships. And then I also would find out who they were, you know, very accomplished actors, or we had a drag queen in the, in the cast who was also very accomplished. So the, all these different people coming from different worlds, uh, so that was cool too, that it wasn't, I mean, obviously I love the comedy world. I love my fellow comedians, but it was a nice, uh, kind of change of pace mix up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, you know, I mean, I do have the best of both worlds that when I travel with Jim, uh, you know, we're such good friends. I mean, we've known each other over 20 years. Uh, so it's a, it's a good hang. It's a fun hang. And our tour manager too now has been with us for probably, I don't know, seven or eight years. So the three of us are kind of the band in a sense of going to yeah. dinner together, hanging. Um, yeah, all that stuff. So I have that, I have my own gigs. Uh, and then, yeah, like I said, the theater thing was a good change of pace. I love Jim Gaffigan, man. Now that I have young kids, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, four and seven and so yeah. much stuff is like, well, you can't watch that. You can't watch. It's nice to actually be able to watch some comedy. I know I can leave it up, leave the sound up. <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's I, it's I, funny I, how many times I hear, I hear people say that. Yeah. 
it's a real thing. Like I never, uh, there's friends that I can't have over my house anymore <laughs> because they don't, they'll, <laughs> they'll say the same MF in front of their own grandmother, their own kids. Yeah, but I'm yes. like, it can't like, you know, <laughs> I can't. and I haven't even told them. I'm just like, wow, I like literally can't have you over my house anymore because you can't stop. You know, right, so right. It's kinda, I, and I never thought about it either. God, for, so I apologize to whoever's kids I was around for, until I was 50. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I'm 53 and I've got a two and a half year old son and a, and a, I guess maybe 15 month old daughter. So yeah, all these things oh. that, you know, you never considered before. Uh, and, and all yeah. of that stuff is one of them. I mean, my son is walking around saying, damn it now. And I'm, I'm, I'm the guilty, I'm the guilty. Yeah. Part, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wait yeah. till he starts seeing memes that you can't. My son said something the other day and I don't even want to say what it was. And my wife was like, and I was like, it was a meme. He saw, a, you know, uh, I guess YouTube has some live memes. Yeah. You know, they're like, <laughs> just, he doesn't know what he, what it means. <laughs> Thank right. God. Right. <laughs> like, you can't say that anymore. And I can't explain to you why. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know, your yeah. little brain can't take it. <laughs> I remember no. that first smack across the mouth when I was a kid, when I came running into the house and repeated something a kid said on the street and just, and it was like, whoa, what the what? hell is that? I just said what I heard. And it, no, no, no. Can't say that in this house. Yeah. But so-and-so yeah. said it. Well, <laughs> I don't know who his go, mom go and daddy are. Yeah, exactly. I can't, I can't smack them. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can smack you. <laughs> yeah. I can't smack them. Well, you know, this brings me to something that I, I didn't even know I wanted to talk to you about. But I, I'm having a hard time with the young kids like talking about race, school shooting. My wife is white. We adopted a little girl from India. So we're like all around in our house. Yeah. But it's really hard to talk about race or school shootings. Like, I don't want to talk to him about school shootings. You know, he has nightmares over SpongeBob. <laughs> we had to cut out SpongeBob. I don't want him like, you know, it's like, what a weird time we live in, huh? To try to have to, how do I negotiate? Yeah. Yeah. Talking about mass murder of children in their school to my first grade, second grade. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've often said, like, I really don't think it's hyperbole to say I think this generation does have it hardest in terms of be, uh, having to process all this stuff because there's also the 24 hour news cycle, there's social media. So they're aware of all these things, even if it's peripherally, uh, but oftentimes it's not even peripheral. It's, it's like, you know, the school is having some sort of ceremony for this or that, yeah. or remembrance for this or that, you know, it's like, we're studying the climate. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, when mom dies, this place is going to look like Mars. Sorry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, Isn't it crazy? I know. Yeah. It robs <laughs> them of, of just that carefree time of, of, uh, running in the house and saying a curse word. And that was the biggest problem. <laughs> that was the biggest problem they had, right? A slap in the mouth for, for that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's serious. It's heavy stuff for kids to have to grapple with. So I, I really do feel for, uh, you know, especially kids that are coming of age during this time, you know, cause we all had our escape, whether it was music or, or comedy or sports or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, it just seems like there's a heaviness to what, what these kids have to have to grapple with. 
And the parents like having to feel like, you know, yeah. I feel sorry for them for that. They're not sorry about it yet. They don't know. Like I, I'm like, wow. How do I tell them? That, you yeah. know, it's a lot yeah. for everybody to grapple with. You know, what are you guys doing? Because my kids are not really at the age yet where we have to have, you know, those kinds of conversations. But I guess well, it's not too that's, far down. That's the question. <laughs> What's the age now yeah. in 2022? So I don't know, but we, we didn't shy away from the race one because it's Trump and all this stuff, you know, Nigel would see. So I had to get into politics a little with him and yeah. a little into uh, a lot into race because he just thinks it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's like, so black people like you couldn't swim at the beach with me. I was like, nope. Actually, you couldn't be, period, because yeah. <laughs> it was illegal for me and your mom to get married. And, you know, and I, then we right. expect, so they have, fortunately, they have little children's books about Martin Luther King and yeah. Gandhi and, you know, the civil rights era and blah, blah. So we walked through it. And when we finally just laid it all on the table, he goes, well, that's dumb because he knows me. He's like, I didn't have my white family and my black family. He doesn't really he think of family. it. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, um, right. He's like, well, that's dumb. And he walked off and I was like, he's right. Okay. So we're good. Yeah. He the actually mass got murder to, he thing. Got, uh, you know, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Back I mean, up he, got to, he got to the core of the issue pretty quick though. He said, that's, that's dumb. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that pretty much, that pretty nailed much, it. yeah, nails it. You know what, you know, it, it, it's interesting to hear too. Like you're trying to think of how to have the conversation. Right. And that's so important because I remember seeing pictures of like, parents at like a school meeting screaming about whatever the changing of a mascot or the, uh, or like the, the, um, mask mandate thing. And you see this parent and like the picture just captures them like pointing and screaming. And then their child, they're holding their kid, you know, and the kid is crying because the parents cry and it's like, they could feel that anger. Right. right. So there's a whole other side of that coin that like an opposite conversation is being had. Right. Right. I wonder when the first mascot uh, with a mask will come out. That'll, that'll be uh, that'll be very contested. The mascot, <laughs> yeah, the, the mascot. Mas- <laughs> oh, God, that's a lot of protests. A lot of protests yeah. around that one. The nine fives are playing the uh, surgicals today. The surgicals, yeah. <laughs> well, since we got into race and we got into school shootings, um, <laughs> mass murder, and politics, let's go for religion because I know. <laughs> Mike told me you have Let's this run table. Awesome. Well, it's funny because like I was raised and my parents were raised Catholic. It was a very bad experience. Mm-hmm. I was raised against, you know, religion. It's all bullshit. Right. Then I had a mystical experience that changed me. I had to I end up 180 degrees becoming a theology. Not though I do not go to church. I don't consider myself any denomination. The funny mm. thing about Catholicism is I, th- I feel like it's the least, it would be the last denomination I would want to join, but my favorite writers, I think three out of f- my top five are Catholic. So there's Matthew, a little Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> they were not Catholic. <laughs> they were Orthodox Jews. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> right. This is what, <laughs> yeah. That's why I want to talk about this because yeah, yeah. they, I think there's like a baby in there, uh, that you can't even see because the bathwater is so dirty, you mm-hmm. know, and um, 
so I, as someone who obviously grew up in that experience, and Mike said you have a great bit about it, which I have not seen yet, but I was like, let's just talk about it because I think it's fun. You know, I got oh, no yeah, skin yeah. in the game. Like, yeah. oh, it's, no, it's it is fascinating. I, I have a bunch of bits about Catholicism and. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the I don't know the one you're referring to. You might be referring was, to the I, Jesus Jesus abs. Jesus having great abs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a ton of them. Our, our I want to hear that. Eric one. was the one that mentioned that he had a that you had a particular one that he loved. Um, uh, yeah, there are a bunch. I mean, yeah, you you, you talk yeah. about religion quite a bit, and it's. Uh, but the thing that I like about what you do, Ted, is that like you bring us on a on a story, like a path through your life while in your bits, you know what I mean? And that's the part that I really appreciate in what you do. Um, you being the Godfather is one of my favorite, uh, the bits. Godfather bit. The yeah. Godfather yeah. Bit. Uh, oh, I thanks. love that. I, I, it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, yeah. it's, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> thanks man. Yeah. I mean that one, it, anyone who's sat in church either for a baptism or even like Easter where you renew your, your vows or whatever. Uh, so the bit is I talk about my brother and his wife asking me to be Godfather to their son. And I didn't know what that entailed. So they, you know, it turns out they call you up on the altar during the ceremony, they just start firing questions at you. Like, <laughs> do, do you reject Satan? I uh, think so. I, I, do, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and all his works. Uh, I'm not familiar with all his works, but, uh, but I'm not a fan, you know? <laughs> so just the absurdity of like the language that mm. you sit and listen to, you know, I mean, and if anyone who's been to church even once, uh, you have that experience of like, are we really just going to sit here and like, like, did you hear what I just heard? You know, so church is great for that kind of stuff. When you, when you were growing up, was church kind of like where people went before they went out to dinner to like be seen by the, like in the neighborhood kind of, was that a thing? That's kind of uh, how yeah. I pictured it when I was younger. Like I looked around and everyone was kind of just doing like, Hey, what's up? Hey, they're here. They're here. See yeah. you at the pizza place later kind of thing. There definitely was an element of that, of being seen and yeah, the, the, the social element and, and maybe the social credit. Um, yeah, I mean, I do feel fortunate, like in terms of my own family, like my parents were more on the kind of um, radical side. Like my mother was always advocating for women priests and so like liberation priests. theology. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. in fact had her, uh, her masters or yeah, her master's in, um, in theology and studied world religions and, you know, but she was very committed to like an inclusivity in, in the church yeah. and kind of breaking down a lot of these old barriers. Um, and you know, this is the seventies, eighties when yeah, I was lucky for her, she up. couldn't get skinned alive and burned at the stake for it anymore. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So she was, you know, I mean, we, I remember we walked out of many a Sunday service because the mm -hmm. priest said something offensive ah. about, uh, you know, about women or about, uh, abortion or about whatever that she was like, all right, we're out of here. And so wow. we like, right. and I'm one of five. So like, you can't miss like seven, <laughs> seven people. <laughs> yeah. Your family walking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't all have to go to the bathroom at the same time. <laughs> they, well, I'm sure she was on their radar. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, for sure. yeah, that's, she's one of those. <laughs> yeah. For sure. She was for sure. She was. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. So she wasn't there yeah. just to go through the motions. She was paying attention. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so definitely that, you know, I think that is my core of my value system. And, you know, um, I, I no longer go to church or really identify, like you said, O'Teal is, as Catholic, but I am very fascinated by theology, by philosophy, uh, by just basic values of what animates you as a person. And, uh, and, and, and communications, ways of communicate, communicating uh, lovingly, uh, which doesn't always mean, um, you know, passively either. Sometimes it means yeah. getting in someone's face and saying, you know, well, you know, hold on a second. Uh, I disagree or here, have you considered this? Um, so I think, yeah. And, and, and really that's at the core of, I think, so much of the society now, right. Is because communication is combat. It's really That's not about, what I want to talk about. Yeah. It's not about love or about, um, listening. <laughs> it's about winning yeah. and, and mic drops and, you know, and, uh, um, yeah. embarrass, embarrassing someone. Cause there, there are hard things, you know, like we don't like abortion for it, for instance, you know, I'm against abortion, but it's because I'm responsible for one. I'm not against making other people not be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about anybody else. Right. But for me, you know, it happened when I was a teenager and it weighs on me. It's like I committed a murder in my heart. I feel like I ended a life and it was my own child. That's heavy, man. Like, come on. I, I'm, I should be allowed to feel like I'm not down with that. Um. Because inside, internally, I can't even help it. Like, I'm not down with it. My solution is don't have, you know, don't get. So the solution for me is birth control, (laughs) which is also, you know, on the other side, like, that's a no, no, too. But I'm like, you know, I am pro-choice for sure. But I, I understand why people, you know, we're talking about when does a life begin? This is a very serious question. You can't just like tell these people, oh, you're full of shit. Because they're grappling with the same thing I'm grappling with on the inside. But aren't Did you I glad you didn't a have mur- a kid as a teenager? Well, it wasn't my decision, number one. Oh, okay. I supported, which, right. which is why I'm saying, yeah. you know, I wasn't going to be like, you can't do this or blah, blah, blah. Right, and right, right. I do think, yeah, my and maybe the kid would have gotten adopted as I've adopted, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. All I know is inside. So it's I'm, all that to say, I'm trying to get back to what you're saying about where we have to be able to talk to each other and be able to disagree. And you can't just say someone's like, if, even if you're a racist, if you're a racist, fine, you stay over there and I'll stay over here. We're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that you also bring up more nuance than, most people do with regard to the issue, right? It's, it's usually murderer or, yeah. uh, or fuck you or whatever, you know, like, but yeah, Scoring the fact points. that you're, the fact that you're talking about your own journey and saying for me, this is what I went through, uh, and it stays with me. Um, but also recognizing that it is, a choice and an individual's choice. And let's face it, uh, a woman's choice, um, yes. first and foremost, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Period. It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> For me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. Of course, same. of course. And it's, it, it, you bring up a good point though, about how like, you know, learning to 
like Ted, you said something about how being able to say to someone like, listen, maybe just consider this other view. Let me turn this 20 degrees and just look at it from a different or turn that channel off and just let's, yeah, you know, and that's and a that, big part of it. But, but that movement that, that attempting to sometimes will just shut large percentages of people's friends, family, whatever, just out. And they go, I don't want to hear this shit. I see it how I see it. And it is what it is. And I feel like that has become yeah. a pandemic in itself <laughs> coming out of all of this, that it's just, everyone seems to be like, I don't have time for your, like, it's, it's like you said, it's right, wrong, mic drop and that's it. And, and that's well, tragic. Yeah, it is too bad. But the reality is you also don't have to talk to everybody, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you can feel yeah. out like, you know, this is really going to go nowhere and the person is kind of intractable and there's no need to, you know, to even discuss it really, you know, even if you don't have an agenda, like, like I, I, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything, but it's like, we're comedians We're you know, we're in the arts. It's like, it's fun to talk about shit, you know? Uh, but not for some, for some people. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to engage in even like the exercise of let's, let's explore this. And like you said, consider, consider this. And like, you know, if you mean that genuinely, then it should be the opening to like an interesting conversation. Yeah. It's just hard when sometimes that's also family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, <know>? sure. Oftentimes. <laughs> yeah. oftentimes. But it is often, right? And it just is what, and I just have to be like, well, hey, you know, it is what it, I, sorry. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what do you do? Like, I can't, it's like a, a cure, a weeding a garden. You know, I'm trying to build, we have a very short time here. And this yeah, garden yeah. is going to endure, you know, <laughs> storms and floods and whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to keep this thing thriving here. And I only got a little bit of time. Sorry, I can't deal with you, you know. Well, yeah. And also, I think kind of what we were talking about, the foundation of of love and respect. So if even if you do d differ and maybe differ fundamentally on something, yeah. I think you should still be able, to, especially family, uh, you should be able to arrive at a place. Well, we disagree on this, but we love each other. We're family and let's proceed. And, you know, maybe you just have certain boundaries around certain things. Um, but you know, but it is hard because sometimes it winds up being a fork in the road. Um, because some people want to make it absolute and put white hats on some people and black hats on other people and yeah. who's the villain and who's, you know, uh, but I, I do think maybe that is a byproduct of, of kind of, again, the 24 hour news cycle and this packaging of, of what debate looks like and what conversation looks mm. like. Yeah. Um, where yeah. it's kind of in, it, we're bombarded with that, that conversation and debate looks like, uh, you know, uh, like that word owning, right? Like you see that so much on clickbait, like owning this, which I, I find, I try to write a bit about that. I, I find the word using the word owning <laughs> really makes it, me it, nervous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with our, with our history, like, is that, is that the best choice? You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> or so-and-so destroys, you know, even like sites that I follow. Yeah. You know, like I love the the news side. I don't watch any corporate news anymore because it's corporate. So there's one 
thing that I followed with someone was with MSNBC and got fired for calling out the Obama administration. The other one was with Fox, got fired for calling out that side, and they made their own thing together on YouTube. And even then, you know, I'll see like it's just the headline: so and so destroys so and so, and I'm just like, <laughs> God, you two, like I know you gotta get the click, but come on. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smartwool. For more than 25 years, Smartwool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. I'm trying to just reverse my thinking. So Mike heard me use it one time. I was like, man, kill two birds with one stone. So I'm like, let's, I could feed two birds with one worm. So I just throw ah. it out there every once in a while. And, and people go like, cause it is always like, man, that's the shit that was killing. That was the bomb. You destroyed that. Uh, you crushed it. You know, yeah, I'm just murdered. like, whatever. Yeah. You were murdered. Oh, and I'm like, why do we do that? It's weird. Yeah. That's so much of the language around comedy, right? Mike? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you killed, you murdered, you destroyed. <laughs> and if you do bad, I died up there. I died. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You can, either way, it's bad. It's just, yeah. It literally <laughs> Someone, is. There will be a body count. <laughs> <laughs> it could be one. Could be. <laughs> right. You'd recently, you recently did a show that the Julian Assange, uh, event that you did. Can you talk oh, about that a God little bit? God bless you for that, man. I oh, love it. Thanks. Just bringing him up gets me in trouble. I'm like, where have we come to? Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I felt lucky to be part of that. Uh, that was, uh, Lee camp put that together with oh, a bunch yeah. of people. He's hardcore. Yeah, Lee's great, you know? And, uh, so he reached out and said, would you be willing to be part of this uh, Julian Assange benefit show to call attention to what's going on and everything? And his hearing was coming up at that time. So I said, yeah, of course, man. And I live up in Connecticut now, as you know, Mike. So I'm, you know, two and a half hours from the city. So I'm pretty picky about what I say yes to, uh, you know, going back. Uh, so the only other show that I had done was I did radio city with Jim Gaffigan and, and this was the second one. I'm like, yeah, Julian Assange, I'll go, I'll go back for that too. So, uh, so I went and, and I drove down and as I'm driving, I get a text from Lee, uh, Roger Waters and Cornell West have been added to the show. And so I'm thinking this is just going to be like a, you know, kind of a little low rent comedy show at a, at a small theater. And Roger Waters and, and, and Cornell West, two guys who, who I love, uh, you know, who are all about it. So I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, okay, are they going to be like zooming in? Cause this is kind of at that time where it's still, you know, like pandemic y. But uh, I get to the theater and I go backstage and I walk right past Roger Waters and Cornell West and shake hands. And, and it was hilarious too, because maybe 10 minutes later, they were asking all of the people on the show to tweet out the link for the live. It was a, being live streamed and Roger Waters couldn't figure. He's like, I don't know how he's like some, can, does anyone know how to do Twitter? And I like basically <laughs> tackled him to, I'm like, yeah, I, I know how to do it. So he just handed me his phone and, uh, 
I did take the opportunity to, I retweeted it from my account on, <laughs> onto his account. <laughs> and then small I posted price it. To a, pay. Yeah. Small price to pay. And he'll never know. And then, uh, and then I did a second time from his account, but man, what a great night. And also, yeah. you know, uh, it was such a great lineup. And then at the, uh, at the end, I was supposed to go on before Roger Waters, and Cornell West, but they were running late. So they're like, Ted, we're going to have you go on last and we're going to put up Roger Waters and then Cornell West. You got to so follow like, Cornell. I got to follow Cornell West <laughs> on the heels of, on the heels of Roger Waters. I'm like, okay, great. Wow. So, on, so I'm, I'm thinking the, a, the room's going to be dead. B those guys are going to leave. So you kind of, you know, it's like, I, at least I would like them to see what I do and, you know, be aware yeah. of, of me. Uh, so I'm like, great that, you know, they're going to cut out, but wouldn't you know it? they, they do their thing. Roger Waters debuted a song, played it on piano, which he said he had, he had never done publicly wow. before he, he played piano and debuted the song that he had written, which was beautiful. Wow. And then Cornell West goes up and, you know, does his thing and like gets the room, you know, at a fever pitch. Uh, so actually it worked out well. Cause then I came out. And, uh, it was funny cause you, you know how you, you use moments, right? Mike, like yeah. the, the, the MC said, you know, Ted was very gracious and he was supposed to go earlier, but he, you know, he graciously said that Roger Waters and so then of course, when I went out, I was like, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. I, I said, when he asked me, I said, that's bullshit. I, I'm going on now. I don't care. I don't care who's on the show. I go where, where you told me. Uh, so, you know, you kind of just use those little things. Yeah. But what was cool, man, was, uh, I had met uh, Cornell West at Occupy Wall Street like 10 years prior. Uh, and, you know, I had actually done a bit about that 10 years ago. So I, I got to kind of do the bit where like I had a, a sign that said, if only the war on poverty were a real war, then we'd actually be putting money into it. So I had that sign that I wrote up on the back of a pizza box. So he walked up and uh, I said, would you want to hold my sign? And he said, uh, you, you've tried the rest now, now try the best. And I said, no, flip, flip it, flip it over. <laughs> you know? So that was, that was kind of the joke of it. And, uh, so I got to do that in front of him, man. So it was like this, it was like this full circle moment, oh, of, awesome. you know, like some gigs where you get asked to be part of it. It just feels like, uh, like service, like, yeah, I'm there. What do you need me to do? Uh, you know, and, and to, to amplify Julian Assange and his, his message and what he's going through. Uh, that, that, that was a gig, you know, right there at the top of the list in, in 30 years. Amen, dude. Uh, next time they do one of those, will you please call me? <laughs> oh man, I'll, I'll tweet it out from Roger, from Roger Waters' phone. I'll tell you that much. If you follow dude, Roger Waters, you'll find Gilmore, maybe. <laughs> I'm not on Twitter, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would give anything to meet Cornell West, like literally anything. It was so great because not only did they stay and they were sitting front row. So I'm doing the gig and you know how it is with certain things. O'Teal, I'm sure you've had the same thing where heroes are in, are in the room and you're well aware of, of where they're situated. Um, you know, it's like, you're still doing a show, but your radar is very attuned to like, you know, they're, they're sitting right there. Uh, so I could see them, I could see them laughing, kind of hitting each other at times. So it's like, I'm killing with, with Roger Waters and, and nice. Cornell West. And then after the gig, uh, we all went to a bar together. So it was oh, just like the people wow. on the show, maybe 10 people. 
went to this little bar uh, around the corner having drinks with Roger Waters, Cornell West. Mm. We must have stayed there for like three hours, just having conversations, man. It was, it was, it, it was one of those where you're almost like, is this real? Am, is this uh, like, yeah. is this a real <laughs> situation? Pinch me, man. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I saw that and I was like, God, good for you. That's just so incredible. And, and, and also the fact that they had seen me perform. That's always key, yeah. right, Mike? Yeah, like, of course. You know, like if they haven't seen you perform or even if you're just on the bill, it's like whatever. But if they, you know, they saw you, you know, they enjoyed you. Then yeah. they're talking to you like a, like a peer or like, like a person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the whole performing in front of your, your heroes and stuff. I mean, we've had that since, you know, I mean, you, you work at the cellar and it's, and it's, yeah. Who walks into the room? Who's sitting in the audience? Who's, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable sometimes. And it's just, and, and we, Ted, we did a show together not that long ago with Dave Attell, That's who right. I know we both look up to as a hero and, and so many times having opening for him on the road and just knowing he's standing in the curtains uh, watching. And I'm just like, he's the only one I'm looking at the crowd, but I kind of want to just go like. Dave, this is, I hope you're liking this. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you mentioned, yeah, that was such a great night. That was actually my first night performing after the pandemic. That was my first show back and Dave had reached out and uh, that was so fun. I was so glad that you were on it too. It was just like, it was the right way to, to return to the stage, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But it's funny you mentioned him specifically because when I was a young comedian, you know, maybe gosh, I don't know, let's say less than 10 years in maybe six, seven. Uh, I was working at the old Boston comedy club on West third. Uh, uh, what, Oh no, that was that like, what was that on? It was that, yeah, it was West third and Thompson or whatever. So, uh, so Dave came up to me after a show and said, Hey man, you want to come downstairs and get a drink? And I was like, yeah, of course. You know? So I went down and it was just the two of us at the bar. He's like, I wanted to tell you how much I I really like what you're doing and you have your own voice. And it it, like those moments where someone that you have that much respect for, like kind of the, he's like the King of New York, uh, takes the time to say, Hey, come on down, let's go grab a drink and tells you that he likes what you're doing man, that's, you know, that was all I needed to keep going for the next five years, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. funny because I wouldn't picture him being that kind of guy from the character, you know? He's so sweet. Sweetheart, yeah. Not to break, not to, not to, not to pull the curtain, but he's the sweetest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah. To, to circle back, to circle back to your, to your Billy Crystal, he, he's a mensch. You yeah. Know, he's, <laughs> yeah. He, he's a total mensch. He's a sweetheart and selfless. So, very selfless. Yeah. And, and really wants to, uh, to uplift other comedians. Yeah. He had a show for a while on comedy central, I think, right. From live from the village underground and, you know, just had, he host. he essentially just, he doesn't need to take the spotlight. He's happy to put the spotlight on everybody else, use his name for however he can help other people. And, uh, you know, I, he asked me to go and open for him on the road a couple, like a, a good amount of times. And those, you know, Ted, how there's those moments where when you're on stage and you actually can enjoy it for a minute 
Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. few and far between ones where it's kind of like, <laughs> reminds me of like the closing credits of the wonder years when it's like, you can hear the acoustic guitar playing over that slow-mo pan of like the neighborhood. And yes. you know, yeah. I, I had a moment like that with Dave and it was at the Wilbur theater when I was opening for him and I got a good pop and there was a nice laugh and applause break. And I kind of like looked over and I saw him kind of his shoulder sort of going up and that wisp of smoke going up. And I was like, Dave's yes. laughing. They're laughing. I'm like, this is the great, like, remember yeah. this, please remember this, you know? Cause it was just one of those, yeah. like, like you said, and it still stands out as one of like the top moments because it's like, you're making your guy laugh, you know? And, and where we, yeah. where we work, you know, I mean, it's just, we're surrounded by the great Colin Quinn and Norton and all the best are there all the yeah. time. And it's just, Man, I went on a Patrice O'Neill, Colin Quinn thing. It, well, actually it came up in the algorithm <laughs> and it just was like, just like new, you know, just like the yeah. first time I heard it. <laughs> That's a guy I wish was still, I mean, uh, God, there's so many I wish yeah. was still around, but God, Patrice now. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine like Patrice, this is what kills me about so many, like music, everything. Imagine Patrice at like Red Fox's age, you know, like the old, <laughs> right. where he's just like, there's so much cares? loaded in there. <laughs> I mean, just yeah, like, he, was, you know? he was already at that, like exactly. that level, <laughs> you know, like exactly. he was not caring. Yeah. 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 Did you but check it's like, out, you know, Carlin kept going, you know, he just got more and more like, imagine if Patrice did what Carlin did to be like almost unbearable. <laughs> the truth, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be nowhere to hide. But, but I think, you know, it, it's true what you say about like a tell too, because he's almost at that Rickles level of like when he takes a shot at you too, like and makes fun of you or like just throws a one liner. Uh, like as a comedian, you just don't, you relish like him acknowledging you like when he does it on stage, you know, because right. because the gig that we did, he called the comedians back up. So all three of us who had opened went back up and you kind of riff and uh, it's it's just so fun to be like because that's his domain and that's his world. So it's fun to be up there with him. It, 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 it's funny you say that too, because, you know, like for people who are listening, who maybe don't know a ton about, you know, the stand up world or whatever, like, you know, when a comic is headlining, your closing thing is the big, you know, like that's yeah. your, you know, you want to close with a bang and whatever. And, and Dave literally says, let's bring out the rest of the, literally, <laughs> he gives up the closing to, to bring us out and show us love and closing. play around with the crowd. And that that's so anti like, I don't know what you call that. Like, yeah, it kind of breaks down the, the, the structure or the presumed paradigm of what a show, that's what I love. It's almost a musical approach, honestly, of, of like jamming and bringing people improv. out. Yeah. Improv. It's like an yeah, encore. You know? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it is musical in the sense that he, he plays the recorder, literally <laughs> plays the recorder. He'll, he'll throw out a one liner and then he rips a little like, you know, recorder line. And then, yeah, he's so funny and so peculiar. It's like, it's so charming. He really is just, you know, best. you bring up something I want to ask who is the Rickles of our age? Because when, uh, I remember Warren Haynes, who's with the Almond brothers telling us about when they played the tonight show and Rickles was on it. I think it was with Carson actually. And Alan Woody just looks like this big, scary biker dude. And he's not, but he said Rickles was just firing on, Alan Woody and Woody was a huge fan. He loves it. And when you talked about like when the, those kind of comedians where they're just slaughtering you and you're like, yes, more, give it to me, please. It's an honor. Yeah. Is there, yes. who does that? Who's the Rickles of today? Do you think? 
I'd say it probably is David Tell. I mean, if you watch Bumpin' Bumpin' Mike's on Netflix, yes. the special yeah. with Oh uh, yeah, because they're roasting. And they bring other people on, you know, other comedians and uh, I think even like Paul Rudd and a couple of celebrities, actors and stuff. Um, and Dave is nobody's quicker than Dave, you know. He's like lightning quick. I mean, he he did an episode of uh, my web series, Teacher's Lounge, uh, that my buddy and I co-wrote. You know, I play the music teacher, and my buddy is the um the janitor, and then different comedians come on playing faculty members or or what have you. And so Dave played the school photographer uh, for an episode. It was like school so picture funny. day. And he was just a machine. Uh, like we just rolled the, you know, we gave him like, uh, you know, here's some bullet points to hit. Here's the information that we need to get out. But then it was just like a steamroller, like, you know, like just firing, firing lines. And, I, and the other actors, like the other comedians we had, that was the most we had, like probably, gosh, 25 comedians on that one because it was picture day. So we needed other faculty members kind of populating the room. Uh, so they, you know, after their things were done, they easily could have left, but everyone stuck around to watch Dave. And he was so, so funny and so quick and, and also self-deprecating because he came yeah. up to me, you, uh, he came up to me before we shot the scenes and he's making every excuse of like, Ted, I'm not an actor. I don't know if this is going to be good. I don't know. You know, like, uh, I think this has been done before. I don't think I can really do it. And, you know, I'm like, Dave, you're going to be fine. Trust me. And of course he was brilliant. And you know, now people still write me like that was my favorite episode. And yeah, it, it was my favorite episode too. Cause he's just so, it's like watching, it's watching a genius. Really? It really is. It, it, it's unbelievable. That one was so hilarious. They were all great, but yeah, he's just, yeah. And, and he, he's the guy too, you know, that if you're at the club and you've done, you're done with your sets, you're sitting upstairs, maybe you're punched out for the night or whatever. And you see on the screen that Dave's on stage, you go down and watch yeah, and, and yeah. you hang out. There's like a handful, like, you know, you always, I, I love watching it in the moment. I have a hard time watching like specials, just sitting and watching on the couch, sure. but like hmm. in the moment, we'll go in and watching Dave. It's just like, it's like watching alchemy. Like you're it's just always, yeah, it's always fun and always surprising. <laughs> and you just, you laugh in the ways that made you want to be a comedian in the first place like That's that kind it. of uh, with abandon you know yeah. and to your question O'Teal, i would say uh you know not to plug my own thing but w watch the episode of of david tell on teacher's lounge because I'm, it is watch the whole it thing. is very rickles-esque in terms of he's like you know <laughs> one faculty member after another is coming in to get their picture taken by him and he's roasting everybody just <laughs> off the top of his head and the lines that he throws out you know it just he cuts right to the core you know like this one kid walks in and he's kind of, you know, well done up. And he's like, uh, if you're here, who's, who's, uh, who's managing the Benetton, you know, like <laughs> and, and he, just one after another of like, where, where did these things come from? Yeah. What he throws away, other yeah. comics would like, I mean, honestly, like I would like make a deal with the devil to be as funny. One time I was hosting and the crowd stunk and he, he went on and he's doing his stuff and like three jokes. And he's like, Mike, could you open the door and let the energy fairy back in the room? <laughs> it was just like, the room was so dead. Yes. And I'm like, energy fairy. like four hours later, I'm like, energy fairy. Like, how unbelievably uh, brilliant. That that's great. Yes. To use yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, Everything's just, he, a gift, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Man. Dead he crowd. Must, he, he, yeah. He must have like total recall 
because it's like he he'll do like every time you see him, it's like 10 new minutes of perfectly formed jokes. It's like, I've never heard that before. I've seen him a lot. And, and, but, but it's like perfectly formed. So he must have this photographic recall of exactly how it's going to be worded and exactly what comes next. It it really is like watching a genius when you watch Dave, but to circle back to you, to your original question. Yeah. I I really do think Dave is because he's that elder statesman who does roast people uh, but does it like in a, in a loving way that like you, you want, like you said, you want it to happen. You, you want to be included and for him to yeah. like take a shot at you. Oh yeah. Me please. Yeah. <laughs> kill me. Kill me. Can you kill me? People next? do. You can see people do kind of oh, perk yeah. up, you know, cause he, 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 yeah, they'll see him get someone else and they're like, oh, okay, it's safe. Like he loves us. Like it's not, you know, see if I went to pain. see him, I would purposely wear something really fucked up. You know what yeah. I mean? And just sit there because I'd be like, it's coming. And he he's, may just skip like, right over you because of that, though. <laughs> well, he That's almost true. has this psych- Yeah, he has this psychic power of like assessing a situation and knowing the exact thing to say. Or yeah, so if you did wear something deliberately, he might pass over you because he he's like, I know like, what's I, going on he here. He wants it too bad. He's trying yeah. too hard. <laughs> and, and, and and Ted, I want to before we you know, I want to talk to you about your last special and, and just, it's, it's phenomenal. Congratulations. It's amazing. Um, Thank you. I wanted to, you know, let's talk about how, how you put it together and, and it's different from your normal hour special. What, how did you go about doing it? And what was your thought process on this one? Well, thanks man. Yeah. My fifth special, the most recent one is called cut up. And that was kind of a double entendre of, uh, you know, the, the term cut up, but also the fact that it's, it's cut together from a bunch of different sets, uh, at the cellar and at the village underground, um, because of the fact that the pandemic hit, this was material that I was kind of sitting on to do my next special. Yeah. But then when it looked like this indefinite kind of pause on, on life, I said to my director, uh, editor who I've done my last few specials with Matthew Weiss. I said, let's, uh, let's kind of piece. I have the stuff shot, you know, I've done it at at the cellar at the underground. Let's see if we can kind of just piece this together in an interesting way. So, uh, that's exactly what he did. And and to his credit, like the flow of it is really cool and interesting. And it's almost like you're experiencing the life of a comic too, because it's not one linear set. It's one night. It's another place, different crowds, uh, different locations. So yeah, it wound up being an hour special cut together from, you know, uh, I, I don't even know how many different sets were used, honestly. I mean, there's probably three or four that were like the, the spine of, of, of the show, but uh, you know, certain bits you only do one night or certain bits land on a certain night. So we kind of just called together the best hour and that's what cut up wound up being, uh, being, so it it is different. And it, I I really liked the way it came out. It really is incredible. And it's just, it is great that we're able to, you know, kind of reinvent the way these things are made now too, you know? Um, Yes. It's interesting that, you know, some people don't think about how different it is doing a city set versus your road hour and things like that. Like, you know, when we're doing sets in the city, it's one after the other, after the other of like 15 minutes of like pure gold from a comic before you and 15 minutes of pure gold from, or 15, 10 minutes of somebody maybe trying something new and it doesn't hit too great. And then you got to go up. Like we have to follow the tempo of whatever happens like directly 
a, a tray of glasses that falls could literally throw the whole thing into a weird kilter. So it's nice to see like this is a, you know, a chunk of sets instead well, of that like, one long, you know. Yeah. And like you said, in a way, uh, I don't know if it's just a comedian thing or if other people feel this way. It's hard to watch a full set in one in one place now. Like it's rare that I sit through a full hour now, you know, of even like my favorites. Um, so I think in essence, like doing the, you know, the cuts from different, different places, different shows, it almost is that reset so that you're not kind of like sinking into your chair and sinking into a rhythm. Cause even as a comedian, if it's one show, an hour is a long time, you know, but if, if it's a bunch of different shows, you're naturally resetting where it's cut and there's a different energy or they're just, I'm wearing yeah. a different outfit or there's a different crowd or, you know, so it, it gives you that mental reset. And maybe it's just the way that we're trained now with swiping our phones and <laughs> scrolling. You know, right. People can Absolutely. feel like they're scrolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do the, yeah. I do the scrolling for you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, uh, it's, it's, been so great hanging with you and uh we really yeah, man, appreciate this hour, it so like, much flew by dude <laughs> oh you have to come yeah, back and man. Do it again soon where can everyone to. find your dates and everything ted uh i'm on social media instagram tiktok uh twitter you name it <laughs> at ted alexandro and uh tedalexandro.com has all my upcoming tour dates i have a big west coast uh tour coming up with jim gaffigan starting august 4th we're up and down the california coast and we might even be going up to washington state i can't remember all the dates but tedalexandro.com you'll see all the upcoming dates there awesome Awesome, i love you ted thanks so much for hanging man buddy yeah such a pleasure thank you guys let's do it again take care everyone osiris it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.